Well, I'm excited to be back and gathered with the Christ Journey family again and first bring greetings and love from our brothers and sisters in Brazil. Um, we were there this week, Lisa and I and Jose Diaz and then also Ojalan and Leila Almeida that are a part of our church family here. I've got a couple of shots I want to show you. We got to be with Pete and Jody Brennan, our missionaries down there. Please bring them up. Okay, there's Jody and Jessica, my wife, and then go ahead to the next shot. That's okay. Yeah, okay, and there's uh, Pete and Nate and then Ojalan that were greeting us. We had a great uh, week there where I was uh, privileged to be invited to speak five times in five days to a gathering of church planters and pastors in an amazing sister church uh, with uh, Pastor Sidney and the entire team. Uh, Ten years ago, started with 50 people, now have like 6,000 people that they are serving in the beautiful country of uh, Brazil and Sao Paulo and Alphaville and Ojalan and Leila right here. Nice to see you. God bless you. What a great time we had together. I can also tell you, Jose Diaz, who is our um, Argentinian, who is on staff here as our executive director of finance, uh, preached in Spanish their very first Spanish service. They're starting a new Spanish-speaking uh, opportunity there. And so way to go, Jose. Did you know Jose could preach? Yeah. So, to all of those watching today who may be tuning in from uh, across the nation or around the world and some of our friends in Brazil that may be here, um, and then our uh, sister campus in Kendall, Gables campus, and all of those joining us online, I brought greetings to you from um, the people that I was with last week at this very time. Check this out. And that was only half of the room because my thumb gave up after I, you know, I couldn't get all the way around it. But anyway, we feel their love. We send our love. And speaking of love, I want to say uh, I got nothing but love for the campus pastors who supplied and stood in and took the lead this last week at kids camp. Oh, my goodness, they showed up for shaving cream fight at kids camp. Uh, here's evidence of that. Yeah, way to go, guys. All right. So we don't want any of our children to know to, to not feel the love of their pastors. And, um, but then also I want to say God bless um, to Pastor Ralph and Pastor Ryan as they brought the message God gave them for our congregation last week and then issued the call. And then to the many of you who responded for baptism at that time as well, I just celebrate with each one of you who has taken the step and has followed through on that commitment with the Lord. Now, what I'd like for us to do on all of our campuses, wherever you're joining us in the world, we... Uh, with one voice, want to uh, declare our faith with these words. Nothing is too hard for our God. Would you say that with me? Nothing is too hard for our God. So wherever you find yourself today, whatever place you might be threatened to feel stuck, getting you unstuck is not too hard for our God. And it's been happening for many of us. I've had people coming up and telling me stories throughout the series Two people, even today, after our first experience, came up and said, Pastor, I took this step. Whoa, what's happening in my life? So for every person who's taking this step toward unstuckness, we want to bring this final message. And this one especially applies to you if you feel like at every point so far, you've been taking the steps that God has given us, very practical steps toward being unstuck. When God calls, I respond. You know, that's like the first one. That's what you did. Uh, when God gave you an, an opportunity of bold uh, challenge, then you brought strength and courage 
So, so far you've, you've just tracked with each step. And then you got connected in a community, you know. In Joshua's time, it was a clan, a tribe, a family. Well, you got connected in community, either in, in our faith, our congregation, our group, our ministry here. And then, you know what happened uh, when you had opportunity you also made contact with others and had conversations so that they could come into the safe house where you experienced God's grace and love. And that's why we're wearing these, because as Rahab took advantage of the opportunity, they said, if you'll hang this scarlet cord, whoever's inside your house is going to experience the delivering power of God in the day of justice. And so she did. And we've been inviting people. Maybe that's what you've You've been doing, you've been inviting others to uh, step in and find safety and security in God's family with him. And then, you know what they did next? They crossed over. The Jordan River was there, and they, they lined up, and they took their steps of faith, and they stepped out, and they stepped up, and they crossed over in worship, in warfare, in walk, and in witness. We looked at that, and maybe you did that as well. You've been tracking right along, and you've been just doing every step that God has given you, and you've been getting unstuck as you've done that. You know, nothing changes if nothing changes, but if you take steps, you can get unstuck. That's what this has all been about. And by the way, taking, talk about taking steps and accepting the bold challenge. Yesterday, we had a gathering of those that uh, were responding to the visionary call toward launching on Miami Beach. The first vision gathering meeting happened yesterday. Here's a photograph of those that were there. I'm telling you, in the middle of that rain, torrent of rain that came down in the middle of the morning, these people still braved it and said, we think God's calling us, we're stepping up, we're stepping out, and I would love to engage your prayers for those who are saying, Miami Beach is our opportunity for sharing God's love and safety with others. So God bless you. Maybe this has been your pattern so far in the series. You've been taking steps, getting unstuck, and saying, what's next, Lord? Well, for those people in Joshua's day, at that time, you know what came next? They crossed the river, and the promised land was right in front of them, and God called a timeout. They hit the pause button. Why? I mean, the, the opportunity was right there. They could take it. God was moving. The people felt it. Let's go. And God said, no, wait. And they said, yes, Lord. And there they received the mark of belonging to him. They remembered in the accomplishment of these great opportunities whose they were. And for us, we saw people do this last Sunday as many were baptized to declare their spiritual circumcision of their heart before God. Now, Imagine the guys, the warriors in Joshua's day, after they crossed the river, they paused for a little physical circumcision. It's like, wow, or more like ow, right? And there's this, the forts right there. And now, wait a minute, we're remembering whose we are before we take the land. And so also, we do that. We say, Lord, I'm all in. And maybe that's what you've done. All along, you've been taking every step along the way, only to discover that now you have the greatest obstacle of them all right in front of you. And that is where they find themselves. That's Joshua 6. They're now approaching the uber-fortified city of Jericho. This is the greatest obstacle yet in their journey. I don't know what obstacle you're facing right now that feels like it's just so insurmountable that's threatening you. It's and you've been taking steps all along the way, and now you, you're stuck once again. You ever watch American Ninja Warrior? 
You know, I love watching this show. Sometimes I'm cruising around, and I get stuck on that because in championships came, you know. And so this competition, it's an athletic competition for guys and, and ladies who have trained in this show of tremendous dexterity and strength and endurance by overcoming a series of challenging obstacles. And if you can make it through the, ser- to, through the uh, familiar course of challenge, then in the championship effort, you not only take on those challenges, but at the end, there's this it appears to be an insurmountable additional challenge. So just as you have played out, you've left everything on the field and you've given everything you could to get to that part, then you've got this insurmountable last challenge. The final measure and full measure of greatness to show yourself an American ninja warrior. Well, so also with Israel. That's where they are. They have successfully completed every obstacle, every step in their journey that God had given them, and now they find themselves before this. uh, They're wonderfully unstuck, and they're ready for a new future in the land of promise, except there's that final obstacle, Jericho. Now, Jericho was an ancient, fortified city Uh, The Israelites spent 39 years in the wilderness, in the desert wilderness, um, because their parents, their ancestors, were terrified of the Canaanites. Those are the people who lived in Jericho. And because they had underestimated their God. So their first attempt to enter into the promised land had already failed. And this was like a shadow hanging over them. This was their second chance. How would this one turn out, right? Now maybe you've been there. And faced a, a failed relationship. Maybe the first go-round didn't turn out the way you thought. Or maybe you uh, just completed a job interview and you gave it your best, but it didn't go the direction that you you thought, and now it's like a second go at it. Or maybe for you, it was your first marriage, you know, and, um, and you thought it would wind up differently, but it really didn't go the way you planned. Or maybe it's in your spiritual life, you know. You promised God. You promised God and, and then weren't able to follow through. And so you got this shadow of, should I say the word, failure, hanging over And then fear, when you think about doing another try, that's where Israel is. Are you stuck in failure and fear? Or could there be a different ending to your story that is full of hope and new promise? That's what Jericho brings Joshua to. That's, I, that's part of why Jericho's story is in here. It's to breathe hope into every trembling soul who has ever tasted failure and then worried that the fear of failing again was going to keep them stuck. You ever been there? And God wanted them to know and he wants you to know that that's a lie. Failure is not fatal and fear is not final. Could we say that together? Failure is not fatal, and fear is not final. That means even when you're afraid in the moment, it doesn't have to have the last word. And failure, just because that happened back when, doesn't mean that that's your future. So there's the story. That's the way. And so the promise is before you today. If you feel stuck in some failure from your past and afraid of what might come next, then this story is probably for you. 
When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and he asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. In other words, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. (laughs) I'm on a Lord's side, and I'm here on assignment. And then Joshua, it says, he fell face down to the ground in reverence, and he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Now think about that. This is no small act of courage. A strong man with a drawn sword has just said, I came to take over, and and Joshua bears his neck like, okay, you got the sword, I'm here. And the commander says, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. This is interesting because Joshua, Joshua does so. He doesn't push back. He doesn't say, you know, I, I thought I was the commander of the Lord's army. You know, I'm like Moses' successor. Don't you remember when that happened? I mean, he said, and I'm supposed to be the one in charge here? No, he doesn't have any of this. He humbles himself, and, he, and he, he takes the posture of a servant. He places himself at risk. He even takes the title of the servant. He says, what message does my Lord have for his servant, the messenger of God? Very significant posture when you're facing the greatest obstacle that you ever have. What obstacle? Jericho, chapter 6. Now, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in. No one went out. The city's locked up from the inside. Now, Jericho, what we know about Jericho is it's been around a long time. I mean, thousands of years before Joshua was even born. This is an ancient city. Some argue, if not the oldest city of civilization, that one of the most ancient cities on earth. That's Jericho. And its fortified walls are legendary. I mean, they're 25 feet high. They're 20 feet wide. A soldier planted on that wall can see for miles out from the city. And uh, it was a symbol of ultimate military power and invincibility. Verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, see, that means look and understand. See, don't just pass passing glance. No, see, look and understand. I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its mighty men, its fighting men. That sounds pretty good, right? Oh, man, bring it on, Lord. Tell me what the plan is. Here's the plan. March around the city once with all your armed men, then do the same thing for six days. All your, all your armed men, they're all weaponed up but they're just going to walk around the city. Have seven priests carry their trumpets, their ram's horn, in front of the ark, and on the seventh day, then I want you to have them all march around the city again seven times, and the priests are going to be blowing their trumpets, and when you hear them give that long last blast, then have all the people shout, and, um, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the people will go up, and every man will go straight in. Now, can you imagine, maybe some of you know the story, you've heard it before, but can you imagine hearing that for the very first time? God says, now, I'm going to give you the city. Joshua says, okay, we got the the fighting man with the drawn sword, and he's going to lead the way, and I got all my armed guys, and we're ready to go. We're all in. And he says, no, here's the plan. You're just going to walk around the city. 
What kind of battle plan is this? And it will be sitting ducks for the archers on that wall. They see us coming. We have no surprise. We've lost the element of surprise. We're totally exposed. And we're just walking behind a bunch of priests blowing horns. You know, this is the plan. This is the plan. This is crazy, you know. Moses never told me there were anything like this. No, we don't get any of that from Joshua. Here's what we get from Joshua. He sets it up. He calls out the seven priests. He says, you, 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 bring your horns with you. You're leading the way. And the ark is coming next. So, hey, you guys, you lift this thing up. You're going next. You got that? And then we're going to bring our armed guard, all the armed warriors. You're coming next. Bring your weapons, but don't plan on using them because all we're going to do is walk. And we're going to stay quiet the whole time. And we're going to do one lap around the city each day for six days. I mean, this is, he just kicks right into gear. And then on the seventh day, we're going to do seven go-rounds, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven laps around the city. And by that time, you know what? The Ark of God's Covenant, the symbol of God's presence and power, will have encircled the city 13 times. And then Joshua says, and nobody make a sound. The only sound they're going to hear is the soft pads of walking feet for seven days. And then when you hear that final long blast, give me one, Gabriel. <laughs> you know, then everybody shout. And so they did. And the walls came tumbling down. That's the story. The warriors charge in. Guess what? Just as God commanded, they send the two spies that had that had. Uh, negotiated with Rahab, and they saw the scarlet cord hanging from her window. She had her family and loved ones all gathered in there. The wall was still standing. By the way, her house was on the wall. There was a piece of the wall that didn't fall. They went right over to the piece of the wall that didn't fall, got all the loved ones out. By the way, if this is your, your guest with us, this is your first time with us, we've been wearing these this series to remind us that God got us in so we could help somebody else get in too. So if you took somebody's invitation up to be a guest here today, then thank you so much because that means somebody cares about you and wants you to experience the joy and love of God's protection in the blessing of your future as well. But they went over, they got them all out, they were all safe and sound, and then verse 27, the Lord says, the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. In other words, failure was not fatal. And fear had been overcome. Fear had not been final. Victory had come. So what are the lessons for us, for you? Well, I've got three timeless truths that may be traction for you to move from failure and fear to faith and fame. Truth number one, humility before God overcomes obstacles. Humility before God brings down walls. Humility before God moves mountains. Humility before God overcomes obstacles. Even the ones that you feel are insurmountable and you've given everything you know to give and you're just about played out and it looks like there's that big wall. How am I going to get through that? But humility before God will overcome obstacles. That's the lesson of Joshua, unstuck. Then there's the lesson of Jericho. Selfish pride will leave you in pieces, ruined, undone, fallen, 
empty, stuck, stuck in hard-hearted pride. That's Jericho. Timeless truth number three, to those who ask God, to, to those who ask, God gives mercy on the day of justice. This is the lesson of Rahab, unstuck. Maybe it's one for you. One more time, here they are. Humility before God can overcome obstacles. Selfish pride will leave you in pieces, but to those who ask, God will give mercy in the day of justice. Now, Joshua models for us what humility looks like. It's this humble respect for that he first shows to the commander that just shows up from who knows where, but he's got his sword drawn, and here Joshua is bowing. He's listening. He's taking off his shoes. He humbly receives, and then he follows the plan, finding his place in it instead of saying, well, God, I think I've got a better plan. He doesn't say, but that wasn't the plan that I would have dreamed up. He just says, I will humbly accept your, my place in your plan, God. And that's where the obstacle gets moved. Instead of saying, I want it my way. I did it my way. You know, nobody gets to heaven singing, I did it my way. No, we do it God's way or we don't get in. And that's the way that it goes in the promised land as well. And so here Joshua is leading his people, and he says, here's how we're going to do it. We're just going to not mouth off. We're just going to be silent, and we're going to do it God's way, not making a sound until with one mighty voice of faith, you hear the horn blow. We're going to shout. Now, what did they shout? I don't know. We're not told. You know what I would shout? Nothing is too hard for our God. That's a good shout, isn't it? Yeah. The priest trumpets by the way, weren't made of silver and brass. They weren't expensive. These are ram's horns. This is a humble, this is humility is going on here. Seven times they do their laps. Seven times they've got the horns to their lips. Thirteen times around the city in total. Why? Well, some believe that by 13 laps around the city, it would be more than clear to every Israelite how high those walls are. (laughs) They've examined every piece of them, and they would know by seeing it repeatedly day after day, hey, you know what? We can't do this by ourselves. If God doesn't bring the walls down, we won't have it. You know what this was? This was a school of humility where God was teaching them through the weight how to let him be God while they were all in. The wall was high. The wall was thick. The city had stood for ages undefeated. Their own fathers and grandfathers had withered and shriveled before these Canaanites. But And after 13 times around the city, don't you think somebody was thinking about the stories that they had heard? And how our family was here one time, and we they tried, and But there was no fear being voiced, neither was there empty trash talk. This wasn't full of ego-driven arrogance. They, uh, this was humility school. There was only the quiet obedience of a long walk. Now to me, as a Christian pastor, that sounds like Christian discipleship. Not a lot of razzle-dazzle, and everybody doesn't get to see what you do. And sometimes you feel exposed and like, wow, just one step after another. But you know what? That quiet obedience of the long walk can take you somewhere. What does it look like for us? Well, it can start with a statement like this. Lord, I bow my heart before you and I humbly accept my place in your plan. Could we say that together? 
Lord, I bow my heart before you, and I humbly accept my place in your plan, even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't make sense, even if I can't figure it out. You know, this is what Joshua is modeling for us. He, he takes off his shoes, which, by the way, I think I, I think I might just do that right now. Which is, is like a, another step of vulnerability, isn't it? What's a warrior without traction? Well, he's going to have to listen higher. Lord, I humbly bow my heart before you, and I will humbly accept my place in your plan. I'm not going to ask you to do it my way. I'm going to say, Lord, it doesn't make sense to me. I can't figure it out. But you are my God, and I am your servant. And you know what? I'm a Christian pastor. This sounds strangely familiar to me. Whereas when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, here's how you ought to pray. Not my will, but thine be done. Jesus said, here's how you ought to pray. Thy kingdom come, which means, friends, you know what? Thy kingdom come means my kingdom go. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do it in my life, Lord. I really want your power and your presence in my life, and I don't want it my way. I want you to have your way in my life. I want you to have your way in my dating life, Lord. I want you to have your way in my financial life. No, you're going to be God of my married life and of my future life. You're going to be God of my recreational life. I, I'm, I'm all in, Lord. I'm, I'm yours. You're my God, and I'm going to invite you to, be, to show up in my school life, in my business life, in my temptation life, in my spiritual battle life. Lord, have your way in my life. That's the lesson of humility. And I'm telling you, if you've learned that one, if you take that step, guess what? You won't get stuck in the Jericho step. If you learn that lesson, then you won't have to learn Jericho's pride lesson because humility before God overcomes obstacles. What's the greatest obstacle? Pride. This is, this is the one that got Jericho stuck. Selfish pride will leave you in pieces. And this is the lesson of unbelieving Jericho. Jericho has been called a picture, a living picture of the unpardonable sin This is a sin that human beings can commit against Almighty God. It's the state of an unbeliever who continues to shut himself out or shut herself away from the blessing and call of God. When God calls, they don't say yes, they say wait. Or they say no, I'll get back to you. And with every every opportunity to say yes, they continue to say no. Not yet, not now, not, no, no, no. I've got a plan. I'm already working on this, you know. I'm not, so this is a picture of somebody who has resisted God's spirit for so long in so many ways that their heart has become so hardened that they have lost capacity to truly turn to God. That's the unpardonable sin as I understand it. Hardness has replaced Humility. So that's what happened to Jericho. Don't be that guy. You know, if unstuck is what you want to be, then don't get stuck in your pride because more than once the Bible teaches that pride always goes before a fall. That pride will get you stuck. You'll be empty. You'll be 
you'll be under, you'll be fallen. The pieces, selfish pride always leaves you pieces. God wasn't their problem, pride was. And when God wanted to come to the solution, their own selfish pride locked them out. It was shut up from the inside. Be careful about letting that happen to you. The lesson of Joshua is you can get unstuck through humility because it overcomes obstacles. But (laughs) the lesson of Jericho is (laughs) you can get stuck in your own pride and not realize it until it's too hard to get out. And then you're all locked up on the inside and don't know how to voice humility. I had a man tell me this last week, you know, two men at the church shared Christ with me, but I didn't pray with them. Even though I knew that I needed forgiveness, I didn't pray with them because I was too proud. This is what he said. Those are his words. I was too proud to pray with them. In public, I, no, I was not going to let them see that I needed him in front of them. So I said, no, I was too proud. And then he told me, you know, I was driving my car, my convertible home later that night, and I, was, and I looked up, and God didn't leave me alone. I looked up, and I said, um, God, if it's true, I want it now. And he said, instantly, I sensed that he who believes in me will have eternal life. Something had shifted for him. The gift of salvation had come. That's what we learned from Rahab. To those who ask, God gives mercy on the day of justice. Don't we all have some sort of moral gauge inside us that just tells us when something is done wrong in your life, then you deserve somebody to make it right. Guilt has consequences. Moses taught this. Your sins will find you out. Jesus taught this. Every one of us will give account before the God the day of justice. Paul taught it. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says it as well. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then after this, the judgment. And you don't have to study the Bible to get that. If you study karma, you study, people just say, man, you know what you give comes back around. Okay, well, what do you do when that's what happens to you? Robert Louis Stevenson wrote it this way. Sooner or later, everyone sits down to a banquet of consequences. When you sit down to that table in your life because of the choices you made, how are you going to face it? Well, Rahab says, you know what? You can find mercy by asking God before the day of justice shows up. And the writers of the New Testament agree. John says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It can happen for nations too. Solomon's time, the nation was in great need. And as we approach our 243rd birthday in this country this week, perhaps these words would be fitting for us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. You know what that means? I'll get you unstuck. But nothing changes if nothing changes. But if we take the steps of faith, failure is not final, not fatal, and fear will not have the last word. 
Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for being a God of justice and righteousness, but for also being full of mercy in ways that are beyond our understanding but within our reach to experience. So we pray right now, the places of failure that have risen to our awareness as we've been thinking and listening, I pray that your spirit will assure every sister, every brother, every person that that failure is not fatal, that they could get unstuck from their fear. And so right now, Lord, maybe this is your prayer. I humble myself before you and will accept my place in your plan. Is that your prayer today, sister, brother? Lord, I humble myself before you and I accept my place in your plan. Perhaps you're on the front end of your spiritual journey and this is your moment to experience salvation in Christ and come to know him personally. You can do that right now with a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Fill me with your spirit and now lead me as I follow you. Now our heads are still bowed for a moment, but if you prayed that second prayer and would let me invite God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, I'm gonna invite you just to raise your hand wherever you're seated, wherever you're joining us. If you're connecting with us online, you can click right there on screen and we're praying for you right now. Kendall Campus, pastors watching, we're praying right now. And for right here in the room, God bless you. Here in the center, two-thirds of the way back, God bless you. And then to my left, I'm seeing some hands over there. Amen. Anyone else? Thank you, brother, right here in the front. And then to my right, toward the middle and the front and toward the, amen, right there in the middle, two, two more. Lord Jesus, for every person who's, who by uplifted hand has said, my heart is open and I'm taking a step forward, unstick them. <laughs> Lord, may they be unstuck by your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, and may they sense your smile upon them as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.